Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast, the number one fantasy football podcast centered around injuries, hosted by the son of two Mexican immigrants, number one on the charts, number one in your hearts. Follow me on Twitter at FBInjuryDoc. Make sure to subscribe because you can get this injury information right around waiver wire time, Tuesday mornings or Wednesday mornings, whenever it is uh, that you need to have this information. If you subscribe, you'll get it a lot faster. You don't have to use a direct link. That's enough of that. Today, we're going to talk about DeAndre Swift, Trey Sermon, Dak Prescott, and then you're going to get a mock draft with Justin Boone. He went through a ton of great picks and analysis insights he drafted from the 1.01. You'll get his ideas, his thought process, his takes, and it's really, really a good episode. It was fun to have Justin on. But for now, let's start with DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift has been dealing with a groin injury, and he hasn't really been doing much in practice. He's progressing normally, as it seems. But the team, Detroit, has bubble-wrapped him, basically. And the progressions so far seem normal. There's nothing abnormal about what the team is doing. When these players have groin injuries, hamstring injuries, quad injuries, hip flexor injuries, teams will bubble-wrap them in the preseason to make sure they make it to week one, and that's what they should do. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing surprising about it. However, there is a little bit more analysis to dive into as it relates to Swift. Swift, in 2018, had groin surgery, so sports hernia groin, strain, whatever you want to call it. He had sports hernia surgery. And then in 2020, he popped up on the injury report with, quote, hip. I would be not shocked if that was also a groin issue. Then we're in the beginning of 2021, and he is again dealing with a groin issue. So what does that mean? It means that this is a chronic issue for him at this point. And why does it matter that it's chronic? Well, it matters because this is not your run-of-the-mill preseason soft tissue injury at this point. For example, somebody like Tyler Lockett has a groin injury, and I'm not concerned. This is likely a workload issue for Lockett. He hasn't had groin or soft tissue injuries really pile up on him in the past, and I'm not too concerned. For somebody like Swift, he has definitely had a significant history with groin injuries specifically. You could consider this a recurrence. He had surgery, and you could consider this a recurrence. How Detroit moves forward with this is going to be extremely telling of where DeAndre Swift is. DeAndre Swift needs time to rest needs time to rehab and typically these injuries are around a three to four week recovery if the player doesn't do anything essentially what you hope to see is that he's not on the injury report the first week before kickoff and what you hope to see down the line is that he's never on the injury report with it again more than likely what will happen is that these will continue he'll probably end up on the injury report at some point in the season with this even if they manage it as best as possible but i don't ever expect it to necessarily devolve into a full rupture where he'll need surgery. I don't necessarily anticipate that happening. However, I can see it going the direction of him missing a game or two. That's totally plausible. And that matters. That matters as fantasy players because we know that this is a chronic issue for Swift and it could crop up. I don't want to be alarmist and that's not my intention. I don't want to fully fade DeAndre Swift, but it is a reason to knock him within the same tier of other players. If you're going DeAndre Swift as an anchor, It'd make me a little nervous. There could be a week or two where he's simply not available. And that's information we should use. I was talking to Pat Crane about this. And every year, we know running backs miss two games on average. But what does that mean? It means that we need to use information at our fingertips. Every year, there are likely players like Swift, like Antonio Gibson, that have chronic ailments that aren't divulged. They don't tell us about it. So when we have information, we should use it. We know Antonio Gibson's toe is an issue right now. We know... DeAndre Swift has chronic groin issues. We should apply that and project it forward. Does that mean you fully fade Swift and Antonio Gibson? No. It just means you draft a little bit more intelligently. Maybe you reduce your exposure. Maybe you don't use Swift as an anchor. Maybe you go another running back in the same tier. 
I don't want to fully fade Swift, but this is a chronic issue for him at this point. So treat it as such. In terms of Trey Sermon, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Trey Sermon. He has, according to Ethan Turner, one of the highest injury grades per his metric for incoming prospects. And he he's deserved it. He's had an LCL rupture, which are not common. He's had a posterior sternoclavicular dislocation. And he's also had two MCL sprains. Those are all connective tissue injuries, ligament injuries. So that's something to monitor. If a running back can't overcome connective tissue injuries, that's something to worry about. So I'm not saying that Trey Sermon is a total complete fade, and I'm not saying don't draft Trey Sermon, but I am saying, again, I don't think you're going to necessarily anchor with him, or most people maybe won't anchor with him, but I would reconsider it if you are. Trey Sermon is on my prove-it list. My prove-it list means you have a history of injuries, and I want to know whether you are simply unlucky or if this is becoming a pattern for you. So I'm not necessarily betting on Trey Sermon staying healthy, but I'm also not saying that he can. And he's already starting off with an ankle injury. Not great. We don't know if it's a high ankle sprain. We don't know if it's a low ankle sprain, but he's not playing on Sunday night because of an ankle issue, not starting off on the right foot. However, Trey Sermon has great upside. I don't necessarily know if Raheem Mostert can himself stay upright this year. Jeff Wilson's on the IR. Trey Sermon definitely makes sense from a strategy perspective. From an injury perspective, I still want him to prove it. Lastly, Dak Prescott. It's important to understand Adam Schefter is a great journalist. Adam Schefter is a great ESPN personality. Adam Schefter is a very reliable insider for the NFL. What Adam Schefter is not is a medical doctor. What Adam Schefter is not is a physical therapist. What Adam Schefter is not is an athletic trainer. He was giving his opinion this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. He was not stating gospel or fact. This was not a report. His report about Dak Prescott potentially not being 100%. This was not confirmed. This was Shefty giving an opinion, if a take, if you will. And that's okay. Shefty's allowed to take, to give takes. But we have to understand within the context of what he's saying. So then, of course, a few hours later, the next day, Tom Pelissero and Stefania Bell both report, no problem with Dak Prescott. The shoulder MRI looked great. He's progressing fine. You hear Jerry Jones saying he threw with authority and accuracy, whatever that means. Dak Prescott's okay. Do not fade Dak Prescott. Do not apply injury discounts to Dak Prescott. If you do, I'll take them. The ankle is fully healed, but it's never been his primary issue this summer. He should be okay for 2021. Don't panic on Dak Prescott. There's no reason to yet. His week one availability is not in peril, and I do think he's going to sling it this year. So that's enough of me. Let's get to the Justin Boone interview where he goes through a 12-team, two running back, three wide receiver, two flex, single quarterback, non-tight end premium mock draft he gives you all the takes hit me up on twitter if you have more questions at fb injury doc enjoy the show welcome back to the injury prone fantasy football podcast i'm your host dr edwin porras doctor of physical therapy medical analyst at fantasypoints.com this is the injury prone fantasy football podcast the number one fantasy football podcast hosted by the son of two mexican immigrants number one on the hearts number one on the charts today we have a very good friend i'd call him a friend of this show it was a it was a rocky road to get to the friendship as we've mentioned several times that i had to cancel twice on boone because of my ears my lack of responsibility but he he nonetheless he stuck around i like to consider him a, a pretty a pretty decent friend in the industry now we've done a few shows together and, and he's always got great insight justin welcome to the show justin boone how are you doing 
I am I'm doing great and it is great to finally be here after that rocky start that you mentioned. So we kept joking that maybe we were just cursed and something would constantly come up, whether it was, you know, the technology wasn't working or whatever. So fingers crossed that this records perfectly and we get the episode out there and we're we're finally able to do it. Because we've had you on our show a bunch of times, the score fantasy football podcast. It's been great. I love all the information you provide. One of the best injury analysts out there. So um, awesome to to finally come onto your home turf here and, and we're going to talk and hopefully help people get ready for the drafts here. Absolutely. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And you mentioned the, the, the score uh, podcast and you can also find Justin on Twitter at Justin Boone. He, uh, he just put, broke down this very similar to what we're about to do. Uh, it was basically a mock analysis of every round uh, going round by round. And that's pinned to his, to his Twitter profile over uh, at Justin Boone. You can catch that here. So that's what we're going to do today. I think that we do plenty of, of game theory and player analysis, and I like to put it all together, and I find it beneficial as a consumer of fantasy content myself because I only do injuries. I find it beneficial when I see the experts actually do a draft, and so that's what we're going to do with Justin today. Similar with what, to what we did with, uh, with Mike Wright, Justin is going to be drafting from the one spot, and we're going to go through this, this, this ADP from actually fan, Fantrax. And this is going to be an imaginary single quarterback, two running back, three wide receiver, two flex, non-kicker, non-defense league. It's PPR. And Justin, like I mentioned, is going to be drafting from the one hole. And he's going to give you a breakdown of all his takes, um, whether he will take the player that is listed on this ADP spreadsheet or if he's going to go another direction based on who would theoretically be available. Justin, anything to add before we start? I will say, because you touched on like where you got the ADP from there, Mm -hmm. if you're about to draft, go take a quick look the day before, the day of, just take a look at what the ADPs look like on whatever site that you're using, because they vary quite a bit from site to site, and you can have some players that kind of end up looking like value. Some guys are hidden way down the list for some reason, if it's a rookie that maybe whoever was setting up the site didn't realize the value of that player, so... Don't just go and and blindly look at, okay, what's the ADP? What's the ranking on this site that we're going with? And just draft off of that because that would be a huge mistake. You're going to miss out for sure if you do that. Uh, Take a look across a couple different sites, but make sure you know on whatever site that that you're rolling with where those players are. And because unfortunately, we don't have it uniform across the industry. And there are some sites where, and you can see sites like Fantasy Pros kind of do like an aggregate ADP and you could look at a bunch of different places like, ESPN and I think Fantrax is on there and MFL and a bunch of them and you can just look at certain players and there could be a a 40 50 pick difference in some of them so um, it can be a little little tricky to navigate that but that's something I think people should be doing before their draft kicks off and before they're on the clock that's excellent advice I think that makes a lot of sense too simply because we also have to keep in mind that a lot of times analysts on Twitter specifically they're citing best ball ADP which is totally different from what we're doing right now um, best ball ADP in February is going to look a lot different than redraft ADP in August. Um, keep in mind that there there are definitely uh, massive discrepancies depending on, like Justin was saying, on what what league you're or what platform you're using. So that's definitely the number one thing. Like the number one thing in your control before you draft is understanding how many slots are there between you know X player and Y player that I find in these tiers. And Justin's going to do do a fantastic job of breaking all that down for me. Anything else you want to add? That was that was really good. That was a good little nugget. 
no, I think I think other than that, you know, it's it's pretty straightforward. Don't go in with too rigid of a plan. Sometimes people get too cute with that stuff and they they feel like they know exactly who they're going to pick in each round and that could be a mistake too. You got to be willing to adapt depending and people have been asking me recently, I don't put out like super flex rankings and people have been asking why. And I was explaining to them that I don't think super flex rankings are very valuable to be honest because I think every super flex draft that I'm in maybe because there aren't as many people that do rankings so it's not kind of as uniform across the industry but Superflex wise, it can vary so much where the quarterbacks go. Sometimes you'll see, you know, nine out of 12 picks in the first round be quarterbacks. Sometimes you'll see, especially when it's industry drafts and stuff like that. Sometimes you'll see the quarterbacks stay on the board a lot longer. So I don't know that it's a, a great idea to kind of just nail that one down. I just want people to know my quarterback rankings, have an idea that the flex player values and then kind of adapt along the way. And I feel like that's the approach with a lot of these we just did on, on our show uh, we previewed each position heading into the season, and I brought in the the most accurate fantasy ranker for that position on Fantasy Pros last year. So we had Pat Fitzmorris for quarterbacks, Jared Smola for running backs, Sean Kerner for wide receivers, Chris Raybon for tight ends. And we went over strategies for how to approach each position, and there isn't just one way to go about it, right? Everybody kind of has a different take on that. So there's a lot of different approaches and just kind of looking at a few different analysts, looking at some different rankings. I always tell people, don't just look at mine. I've been very accurate over the years. I've been in the top seven fantasy pros each of the last seven seasons. I will put my rankings up against anybody in the industry as far as accuracy goes. But still, that should just be one data point that you're looking at. You shouldn't just be blindly taking my rankings and drafting off them because that's no fun, right? You want to be able to craft your own opinions so you can use that as a guide. And then figure out kind of your plan along the way. And you got to be willing to adapt because if you go in too rigid, you're going to probably lose out on a lot of value along the way. And I did hear you say that with Ian Harditz on the PFF podcast talking about, you know, pulling from different sources. And I think that's a that's a really, really good idea. Sometimes people will use, a, you know, collect a handful of analysts that they trust. Justin, for you, you are in that handful for me. Obviously, I have the folks over at Fantasy Points. Um, I, I, I take a look at your rankings. I take a look at JJ Zacharyson's uh, information stuff, Rich Rebar. So typically if it's all too standard right if you guys all align too much then i'll i'll stray somewhere like to a fantasy pros and take a look there but i think some of the the best fantasy analysts and the, and the best people in any profession do a good job of of putting together information that isn't necessarily in, a, in an echo chamber and i think that's sort of what you're alluding to and that's really the best way you can set your set yourself up for success is collect all the information as much information as possible and create your own opinion so i like that a lot And it goes to almost everything in the industry too, right? If you talk about injury analysis, no offense, you and I have talked about this before. I'm not just blindly looking at what you have to say. I'm also asking other people, Matthew Betts, you know, there's a lot of great injury analysts out there as well on top of yourself, Stefania Bell, Gene Brammel, Jeff Mueller. There's a bunch. And if you just get too focused, because what just happened, we talked about Darrington Evans recently and we had looked around the industry and it was like, there was four or five different thoughts on maybe it could be because you're just looking at a video. You're not getting to assess hands-on. And I'm sure you've talked about this on the show. So you're looking at it saying, maybe it could be, you know, this, maybe it could be knee, maybe it could be thigh. Someone thinks it's hamstring. So now you're trying to look at all the different injury analysts and figure it out. And it goes to, to, to beat writers. You don't just want to have practice reports coming out and one beat writer is super excited about a player and they're talking them up. You got to look at the different beat writers. You got to hear what the team's saying. There's a lot of different sources 
that you could take from as opposed to just kind of getting caught with one thing and overvaluing that person's opinion. That's uh, I think that can get you into trouble. So anyway, that's that's enough setup here. We can get to the picks. I know I'm, I'm long winded sometimes with this stuff, but there's a lot that goes into these drafts and the draft isn't the only thing, but the draft can set you up for the season so well, especially early in the year. So it's really important. Absolutely. 100 percent. And you can always add in whatever whatever takes and pieces of, of advice you have. Fantastic, <laughs> man, so don't worry about it. If, if you're rambling, then man, I'm a, I'm a novel because if that's rambling, geez, I've, I'm embarrassed. Some of the podcasts I've been on to where I just realized I look up and I'm like, I've been talking 10 minutes. So let's get to it. The number one overall slot, 12 team PPR, single quarterback, two running back, three wide receiver, two flex, no defense, no kicker league. This is imaginary. This ADP, the ADP tells you, Justin, Justin Boone, one of the best accurate rankers in the fantasy bubble injury says you should take Christian McCaffrey here. Are you taking Christian McCaffrey here? Yeah, I don't think that there's much to discuss here, right? Like you, you look back on his fantasy numbers, especially just per game numbers over the last few years, you go back to 2018, he was at 24.1 fantasy points per game. 2019, that spikes up to 29.5. That was nine fantasy points per game more than the next closest back in 2019. Just incredible. And then last year, I know he only played three games. In those three games, he was over 30 fantasy points per game. So right back up in that range, right? And I have a lot of faith in, in Joe Brady's system. I'm not that excited about Sam Darnold, but I also don't think that this offense is going to take a huge step back with Sam Darnold because they had Teddy Bridgewater last year and they really stayed on track. You had Mike Davis finishes a top 12 fantasy back. You had three top 25 fantasy receivers and no offense to Teddy, but Teddy's sort of just a, an average quarterback, right? He's not really giving you much above that. So um, even if Darnold struggles a little bit, just those weapons around him and, and the system and the coaching, I think that offense is going to be fine. And I, I think CMC is the the best bet up at the top because once again, even when you look at last year, you know, five points or so ahead of Alvin Kamara on a per game basis, six points, I think, ahead of Dalvin Cook. And those guys were two and three at the position. So even if he does come back a little bit to the group, he still was that much further ahead that, yeah, he's definitely the best pick at 101. Love it. Love it. Yeah, there's not much more to discuss. So after that, then you have this ADP that says it, then it goes Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Devontae Adams, Nick Chubb, Travis Kelsey, Austin Eckler, Tyreek Hill, Aaron Jones, bit chalk, right? Pr pretty much chalk. A little bit surprising here. Once you get to the 21 overall, Mahomes already goes on this so the, at the, what is this? The the 21st overall pick. Um, that's a little rich for my blood. Then you got Edwards, COCH, Darren Waller. And this ADP says, Justin, you have it here in front of you. You should be taking Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown at the turn. Are you taking them or are you take going elsewhere? Well, a couple of things to touch on here first. The ADP is like when you see my rankings and stuff and you look and you see that I have Patrick Mahomes in like the fourth round or maybe even close to the fifth round and you're going, what's going on here? I'm never going to get Patrick Mahomes. There's a reason I have it ranked like that. It's because I'm never getting Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to be willing to pay up. And in these home leagues, this is often what's going to happen. These big name quarterbacks, they're going to go high. And when it's a single quarterback league, you do not have to do that. Do not pay up. Just like Edwin said, do not pay up and take Patrick Mahomes in the second round. Even Josh Allen, all these guys don't spend up the first two, three rounds. Do not worry about quarterback. Try to fill out these much more important positions, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And that's why this ADP hurts because when I did this uh, on my site there in that strategy series, 
I got Darren Waller at the end of the second round, and this time around we can't do that. He goes one pick ahead of me. So, yep, he would have been sniped from you right at the yeah. But that that would have been the guy that I would have went with here, just because I think that you know when you look at the tight end position and we're hoping to get one of these elite guys. Kelsey's so much further ahead of the group, but Waller was the only one that was anywhere near him last year. So I really like taking Waller at the end of the second or if he falls into the early third. So that would have been a great pick here. Um, I'm going with Justin Jefferson on this one. And I know that's kind of chalk because that was one of the guys that was picked by ADP here, but I know he has the shoulder issue. I feel like everything I've seen makes it sound like he should be okay, but I'd really be curious to hear your thoughts on this one because I need you to be willing to sign off on it if I'm actually going to take Jefferson. Consider it signed off. Continue. Okay, that's great to hear. I love hearing that then because we saw last year with the the monster rookie year, we could cite the overall totals all day. Like he put up some really huge stats, 1,400 yards and all that sort of stuff. But he started slow in the first couple games. He only had three targets per contest in those. And then he just erupts, right? He scored at least 14 fantasy points in 10 of his next 14 games at 8.5 targets per game in those contests. And that's like top 12 target leader numbers. So that puts him right up near the top of the league. And when you're picking a, a receiver, especially in this range, you want to make sure it's a guy who is going to be up there and getting a ton of volume to go off of. So we love to see that. And just such a, a promising player. He, he could have a lot more room to grow here too, because he had Adam Thielen last season score 14 touchdowns. And I think that number is going to come way back. Regression's going to hit him. Thielen is getting up there. I actually think today might be Thielen's birthday. I might have seen that, or at least it was right. this week. Yeah, he turned 31 this Weird week. You know that, Justin, but yeah, it's his first thing. Well, tw- thank Twitter for that one. Twitter gives me a lot of information that I probably don't need and ends up getting stuck in my head. So, um, yeah, I love I love Jefferson, though, and he's clearly the the number one receiver in that offense, and Thielen could take a little step back. He kind of got banged up in, in the preseason game here as well, and he was a guy that I was concerned about even earlier in the offseason when I had you on and we talked about uh, Thielen and whether, you know, getting up there in age and having some soft tissue injuries – is he a guy that we might be a little bit concerned about there? So, uh, you know, if you want to give more thoughts on, on Jefferson and the injury, I'm sure you've probably talked about it a lot on the podcast, but the fact that you're saying you'd sign off on him that, that makes me pretty content about taking him here at the end of the second round. Yeah, no, there's not much more to say other than the fact this is about a three maximum five week injury, and it's going to be more than enough time for him to get back and, and get to it. They don't have a very high recurrence rate as long as they take the time to recover. So I'm not it doesn't seem like there's a dip on Justin Jefferson. And if there was, I'd be taking it right now. I think that's a great pick. And then your point about Thielen. Yeah, I don't think it's something, you know, Adam Thielen's unlikely to be a top 12 receiver again. I think he can be okay. But I think your point about age and soft tissue concerns is enough to definitely sort of view these two players dichotomously, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. One of them is on the uptrend and one of them is on the downtrend, right? And I think that I'd rather be a year late or I mean I'm sorry I'd rather be a year early out on Thielen and in on Jefferson than the other way around so I think that I think that's a great pick the next one I've mentioned this stat I've mentioned this stat like on every show and probably multiple times on my show but Thielen's only gone over 60 yards in eight of his last 25 outings so he's really been like the complete touchdown dependent receiver and if we see those touchdowns aren't going to go back to he's not gonna score two or three might come back to seven or eight, but he's only been over six touchdowns twice in his career. He had a nine touchdown season and a 14 touchdown season. So we kind of look at him now, like he just has this great chemistry with Kirk cousins and he's going to score around the red zone all the time. But when you have Jefferson there, when you have Irv Smith, who the tight end, who they're, they're really talking up and they're getting him involved in the, the preseason and stuff here in training camp and practices, especially around the red zone, 
maybe those guys start to eat into those numbers. Not that we need to condemn Adam Thielen, and I hate it because Thielen's been such a great value so many years. Right, but right. when you're talking about the the value of Jefferson, the, the fact that Thielen might be stepping back a little bit, that's only going to push Jefferson higher. 100%. We're totally, totally on the same page here. The next pick would be A.J. Brown. Are you going A.J. Brown? Because you still got George Kittle there at the turn. You got Keenan Allen. Uh, you've got, you know, I'm not sure why you'd consider J.K. Dobbins or da- David Montgomery, but the 25th pick, the recommendation per the ADP that we're using is A.J. Brown. Where are you going? I, I probably should, and I have no issues taking A.J. Brown here, but I'm going to play it a little safer in my mind because, you know, A.J. Brown having Julio there now, we're not 100% sure how it's going to look. I think A.J. Brown's going to be fantastic. I'm not talking down A.J. Brown here. I'm just saying I'm going to take a player that, I feel a little more confident in as far as the the volume, as far as you know what he's done over a, kind of a longer stretch here, and it's it's Keenan Allen for me. And Keenan Allen, I mean, people are worried about you know they. I, I've even talked to some people recently that were were saying that well he misses a lot of time and he's not reliable. It's, that's not true at all. I mean, that was earlier in his career that they still have that narrative in their head, right? Because over the last four seasons. He's only missed two games. And over the last four seasons, this guy's got at least 97 catches in each of these seasons. So, yeah, just phenomenal. And now he's tied to this great young quarterback in Justin Herbert. Their first season together, you got Allen tying his career high with eight touchdowns, finished second in targets per game. So now, like I said with Jefferson, if we're going to use one of these early picks on a receiver, it better be one that's going to get a lot of volume. And we're pretty much guaranteed that Allen is going to get a ton of volume. And with Jefferson as well on our roster now, I think we have two of the top 10 fantasy wideouts in my rankings and maybe two of the top 10 guys in terms of of targets this season. So uh, I love this start. And we talked about this on my show, the idea of, you know, some people want to secure two running backs really early and just lock that down because they're worried that that position is going to drop off or there's so much talk about the running back dead zone this year and all that sort of stuff. But for me, I really like getting that one running back in the first round or maybe the second round. There's a few guys in the second round that I really like as well. Getting one guy at the position because running back two is a spot that we know you could take a bunch of shots later in the draft and we're going to. And then during the season, you can play that waiver wire so hard. And that's the position where there's a lot of turnover, right? Whether it's because of injuries or ineffectiveness, we see running backs pop up all the time fantasy wise during the year and guys that because it's such a volume dependent position, guys that could step in and immediately become a a really nice RB2 in your lineup, maybe even an RB1 at times like Mike Davis last year. But normally you can get a guy to step into that RB2 spot where as the season goes along, maybe in the first few weeks, you can find some breakout receivers or tight ends. But as the season goes along, it's going to be incredibly hard to find guys that are going to be really difference makers and impact players at wide receiver and tight end off the waiver wire. So uh, I'm not too worried about waiting on running back a little bit here. And if you can get one early, I mean, when you're starting from the one spot and we're getting Christian McCaffrey, we're in pretty good shape with that one. So I love that now on top of him, we're adding two just outstanding wide receivers filling out the lineup here. I love that pick. And I'm not necessarily disagreeing with the pick, but I will say if I'm thinking, putting my place in the average fantasy football manager's brain, you theoretically at this spot, you are passing on Terry McLaurin and CeeDee Lamb, two players who have gotten a lot of hype, maybe deservedly so, maybe not. Um, but I, I do know that everything you just explained about Keenan Allen, I'm totally on board with it. You also have uh, Kittle that was sitting there. So basically those, I sort of want you, if you can, please break down 
maybe first start with George Kittle, why you would pass on George Kittle at the 26 overall pick. And then let's actually just stick to CeeDee Lamb because I think he's a really intriguing one that people might want to hear a little bit more about because you went Keenan Allen over both of those players. Yeah, I mean, I, I like all of those guys and it really comes down to the the safety thing, like I said earlier with Allen, right? When you have four straight seasons and 97 plus catches and he's attached to a great quarterback, I feel really confident that he's going to be able to give me another good year, that the, the floor is going to be really, really high with him where CeeDee Lamb, I'm not down on any of those other players. CD Lamb has a lot more target competition and all of the highlights that he's been making and everything. He's going to be a great player. He was my top wide receiver prospect coming out in that class. But Amari Cooper hasn't been there and Amari's starting to get healthy here and he's going to have to contend in this offense with Amari, with Michael Gallup. All three of them can pay off. I don't have an issue there, but I would much rather take a guy who has proven that he can get the volume and for me has, has proven year over year that he's been able to produce like that overtaking a shot on you know one of these guys especially in this range I just think there's a little more risk in taking uh, a CD lamb or McLaurin's gonna be fine once again we're, we're really picking nits here because in my rankings there's only a few spots separating any of those guys so receiver wise and and whether you want to you know pick your poison and take AJ Brown or take lamb or one of these other guys I'm fine with that just for me I'm gonna take Keenan Allen Maybe the fact that, you know, the Jefferson injury factors in that a little bit. So it makes me want to go a little safer with the the next one. Um, but overall, I just I think there, there's not much argument you can make for Keenan Allen. And then when you're talking about George Kittle, there's a good chance that George Kittle is going to come back this season and remind everybody why he's probably all around talent wise, the best tight end. He really might be the best tight end in the league. And he's had some injuries and, you know, that makes people a little worried about him. But also when he was putting up his really big stats, there wasn't that much competition for target around for targets around him. And now he's going to have Brandon Ayuk, who I really like, who I think is a huge breakout candidate this year. And Debo Samuel, we'll see if he's healthy. I know he got nicked up recently, um, but Kittle's going to have a little more target competition. And then we'll see the changes that happen in that offense. I still think the pass offense there is going to stay on track, even when Trey Lance takes over. Some people are worried that, you know, the volume might come back a little bit because they're running the ball more. I think Lance just is going to lift all boats once he takes over under center. So I'm not really concerned there, but it does push Kittle a little further back behind Waller as that number two tight end for me. And that's why I'm taking him more. I would take him more in the middle third or late third, as opposed to, to spending up for him here. And that might be a mistake because getting one of those elite tight ends is such an advantage. So if Kittle comes back and ends up putting up numbers like he had before, right along the lines of Waller or up there with Kelsey, then it's going to be a huge mistake that we didn't get him here. But I got another another tight end in mind that I'm willing to take the risk on. So we're going to talk teaser. about him here in a second. That's what they call a teaser in the business. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I can't wait until Trey Lance starts. I just can't wait till Trey Lance starts, but that's, that's good. That's, that's another subject for another day. So you're moving forward then so far you've taken Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen, moving forward with your next picks. This ADP per fat rec says you should go Kareem hunt and then Tyler Lockett at the 48, 49, Justin, what say you? So this is the tight end that we're going to talk about. And this is one that I know there's going to be people listening and they're not going to like this pick whatsoever. I know that rookie tight ends, I'm spoiling it right there. Rookie tight ends don't normally put up really usable fantasy stats. Um, but we've seen it happen. Like, it's not like it's impossible. We've seen it happen with guys like Jeremy Shockey in the early 2000s. We saw 
a few years back there, Evan Ingram did it kind of when everybody was injured in New York and he was kind of forced to get a lot of volume. We saw him put up a pretty good year as a rookie, but here's the thing. Kyle Pitts, I don't think that we can compare him to normal tight ends. And I just don't, I, all the, the talk of, well, tight ends don't do this and they're not, he's not gonna be able to come in and put up this huge season. And I get it. I totally understand it, but I don't think it's, it's fair to just straight up compare him to, to other tight ends. Cause all the reports that we're hearing out of the Falcons camp and off season practices, they're moving him around the formation a ton. They're using him out wide a lot. There was even a report recently. I forget who it was by. So I'm sorry that I, I, I can't give you credit for that, but I believe it was one of the beat writers that was saying that he's essentially a wide receiver in this offense. Like that's how much they're using him on the outside. And it's totally understandable. They're trying to fill the void left by Julio, right? And Calvin Ridley can't do it all. Calvin Ridley is going to have great numbers. And I love him as a second round pick this season. If you can get him on your roster, Ridley's got a good shot to potentially lead everybody in, in targets this season. But the Falcons, their defense has been terrible for the last few years. And I don't see that changing based on their offseason moves. So I think they're going to be near the league lead again in pass attempts. They've been right up there, and that's helped all these guys like Ridley and Julio and everybody put up pretty good stats in the last few seasons. And, you know, Matt Ryan is probably on the decline phase, but I don't think he's going to completely fall off this year. So I am willing to bet on on this being an outlier and us seeing this rookie tight end come in, uh, a prospect unlike any we've seen come in before when you talk about the measurables and the athleticism, the the production that he had in college, just the whole package. He's bringing it all. And even if you wanted to compare him to the receivers coming out this year, he would be right up there near the top of the class. Like he is just that good. So if he's getting used that much out wide, if he is that big of a part of this passing attack, I'm willing to take the risk here because there's not many guys that have a chance that can give you numbers anywhere near that elite group, right? How rare is it to see a, a Darren Waller kind of come out of nowhere from the late rounds. If you end up waiting on this position and we'll see what happens with TJ Hawkinson, because I was, I would have Hawkinson's pretty close to Pitts, to be honest, um, as a guy that, you know, Hawkinson could be the number one receiver, kind of the de facto number one receiver in that offense for the lions, but he's, he's a little nicked up right now. So we just, we got to see what's going to happen with him. But um, after that, it's going to be really tough to find a guy that's going to come anywhere near the production of those elite guys. So if you wait on the position, you're really going to take a shot on someone that maybe could be the tight end six or tight end seven at best. They're just not going to see the volume to get up there with those other guys where I could tell myself a story that Kyle Pitts could see that kind of volume. And I, I've talked about this before. I, I do a bold predictions article every year, and maybe it's not even that bold because there's a few people in the industry that are, are very high on Pitts, but I would not be surprised if Kyle Pitts comes out and beats that Mike Ditka record from 60 years ago or whatever it was, where I think Ditka was the only rookie tight end to ever go over a thousand yards. Um, we could see Kyle Pitts have that kind of season. And even if he comes out and gives us 800, 900 yards, that's still going to be way more than most other tight ends in the league. And it's still probably going to put him in the top five. So I know it's a bit of a risk at this range of the draft. There's some other players, especially at receiver that we could go with there, but as as far as what he could give you and what he could eventually be, if I'm going to be a year early on this one, and that might end up being the case, but Pitts has the upside to challenge those other guys, and I'm going to take the shot on him here. That I could hear the excitement in your voice talking about Kyle Pitts, and it is exciting. <laughs> I mean, he's just did you? He's like 20 years old. Do you realize that he's like 20 or 20, I don't even think he's 21 yet. I don't even think he can illegally drink alcohol. He's just a physical freak. Like I, this guy is, is incredible. He's just incredible, and he is. 
it's it's incredible for a person that young to be this good at a, a grown man's game right and it's exciting it's going to be exciting to watch his career moving forward so okay that means at 48 you you forwent kareem hunt and at 49 you're recommended to take tyler lockett you're going to take tyler lockett or somebody else here no i am actually going to take lockett oddly enough and this is another one where i got to get your thoughts on it because I might be playing a little dangerously taking a, there's a couple guys now that we got and we're only in the, you know, the first five rounds or so. And I got a couple guys that have some injury concerns and we're talking about Jefferson and, and now Lockett, but Lockett's been practicing off to the side. I don't think that he's rejoined the team as far as like the main practice goes. He's had this groin issue that he's been dealing with, but assuming that he's good to go for week one, we still got a little bit of time and, and you can throw your thoughts in there in a second, but there's just so much to like about Lockett. I mean, back to back thousand yard seasons, 28 touchdowns over the last three years. And there's all this talk that the Seahawks offense, now that Shane Waldron's there as the OC coming over from the Rams, that they're going to increase the tempo. And that's great news because Pete Carroll always talks about running the ball more. And that's what makes this offense, the passing game kind of scary sometimes for fantasy, because we've seen the last two seasons where Russ starts off the year as one of the best fantasy quarterbacks. And then the second half of the season disappears. And whether that's because Teams have been figuring them out and their offense hasn't been, you know, complicated enough for, you know, whatever. Um, that might be the case because DK Metcalf kind of alluded to that in one interview in the offseason. But now you have Shane Waldron there. If this offense goes more up tempo, that could just mean more opportunities for everybody. And then maybe you do have enough for the rushing attack and these receivers and Russ to still cook with these guys. And when you have Lockett, who, you know, back to back thousand yard seasons, all those touchdowns. It's just a, a guaranteed pick here for me. I love getting him in this range. Well, you're never, you're never, ever, ever. Tyler Lockett could be 42 years old and you're not going to get pushback from me. He, I mentioned this all the time. He, uh, his, I, th- I believe it was his senior year. The last time that Kansas State won the Big 12 or, you know, won a split of the Big 12 was my freshman year in college. And I had a season tickets for that. And that was the most fun year of my life. Watching him haul in touchdowns from Colin Klein was, was magical. And so obviously I'm totally, totally. And then I'm a Seahawks fan, right? So this is like totally Homer hitting homer for me if that makes sense nice so the groin injury i'm just you know you actually informed me as you were as you were talking there i I looked it up myself so it looks like it started around august 15th he's dealing with a groin injury typically what you look at when you think about groin injuries is do they have a history of groin injuries the player and you know what is the severity typically this is just a workload management issue um we we know that there have been a ton of soft tissue injuries going on around the league you you think about Kenny Galladay, you think about DeAndre Swift, you think about all these dudes who are already dealing with soft tissue injuries, and that's totally normal, right? Their bodies are ramping back up. So this is typically, even if it's like a, an, a grade two, it's only about a two, three week issue. And so I doubt you'll see Tyler Lockett very much the rest of the, of the preseason. This shouldn't necessarily impact his his week one availability, and it shouldn't necessarily linger. What you find with these players is that they really take their time in the preseason because that's what these these injuries really require is just rest, active rehab, and it should be okay. Um, keep monitoring it, obviously. And if he has a setback or if he's still not back on the practice field in two weeks, then yeah, and then maybe you start to sort of ring the alarms a little bit. But as of right now, I'm not too concerned with, with Tyler Lockett. So, and I love that pick. I and mean, that's a great pick. Well, and he was, and we're talking about the injury here. He he was still on the field doing stuff, right? Like it wasn't like a Curtis Samuel situation where he's dressed in civilian clothes and he's not practicing for weeks right. and what's right. going on with him. Like Lockett was still out there off to the side doing little, little moves, doing athletic things. So it's not like they had completely shut him down or anything. So yeah, that, that gives me a little bit of hope there. No, absolutely. I, w- I wouldn't be too, too concerned whatsoever. So, so far where we have you, 
Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen, man, these you got some heavy hitters, Tyler Lockett, Kyle Pitts. Whew. So your next picks, according to this ADP, you should be taking Raheem Mostert and Michael Carter, which I, I don't know if you'll go that direction. What do you think? So I am going to go with two running backs and you could go a few different ways here. You could grab both 49ers backs. I'm not against that, um, but I'm going to take two guys who I'm looking ahead to the end of the year and two guys who I think will be leading their backfields by then. Um, and that's Trey Sermon instead of Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds. Um, both these guys in, in strong offenses, and we want that on teams that I think are going to be winning teams. Um, when you look at Edmonds, he's got to compete with James Conner. And we've talked about James Conner on my show when you've come on before. James Conner, not the most durable guy. We're not going to call him injury prone, but he has definitely gotten injured quite a bit in his career. And Edmonds is somebody that it's a very small sample size. We've only seen him get 15 touches or more twice in his career. One of them, he gave us a 150-yard three-touchdown game. That was two years ago. And then last year, he had a 98-yard performance when he got a lot of work. So somebody that can definitely, he showed us, it's small sample size, but he showed us that he can perform, can put up some pretty big numbers. He's probably going to split with Connor. Um, I'm not overly worried about that. Even if Connor comes in and takes a little bit of work, we did get a, a report at one point a month or two ago that this is essentially Edmund's job and that Connor's kind of coming into, I know that there's been reports since saying that, you know, it's still open and anybody could win it. But I think there's a good shot that they're going to give Chase Edmonds every chance to take this job while Connor's just kind of being that complimentary back and, and taking a little bit off his plate. And then if he falls flat in his face, so be it. And, you know, then this pick will look terrible for me. But I think there's a good shot as a guy that is definitely going to get the pass catching work there. And has proven it in those, you know, couple games that he can put up some pretty big numbers for for fantasy. Um, I like him. And then Sermon, just so much potential. And, you know, I, all of these guys that I'm picking, there's some sort of in, I'm not doing this on purpose to let you talk about injury stuff, but you know, we talk about a James Conner or look at the 49ers backfield, Raheem Mostert just continues to deal with the injuries. He yeah. missed OTAs because, yeah. you know, the the knee they called a minor, but he's he's back out there now. But um even if he doesn't get hurt, even if the 49ers have a, a complete split to start the season, Sermon could still pay off. I mean, he profiles as more of that sustaining lead back with Mostert being like the, the big play game breaker guy, right? We know he has the speed to do that. We know Kyle Shanahan's rushing attacks are going to deliver um, kind of over the years. They've turned so many guys who weren't the biggest names into just huge stars. And I think in, in recent seasons, we haven't seen that because it's been these guys that have kind of been a little more fragile, like a Matt Breda or a Raheem Mostert. These guys haven't been able to stay healthy and kind of be that main guy, that lead back for him. Sermon could be a workhorse if they want to go that route. So the 49ers schedule is just unbelievably soft this year, especially down the stretch. I mean, I could pull it up here. We could go over it. I mean, you look at from week 14 on, depending when you're going to have your fantasy championship, uh, week 14 at Cincinnati week 15 they get Atlanta week 16 we're looking at it here Tennessee and then week 17 if that is the new fantasy championship they're going to play Houston in that game so the 49ers offense is going to put up huge points and I think Sermon is going to be the one that's in the driver's seat by that point in the season so this allows us to have two guys that could potentially excel right as opposed to hedging our bet and just locking down the 49ers backfield something like that I would rather take two guys and we're going to have to take a bunch of other running backs for our bench based on the way we're building here. 
but I would rather take a shot on two guys that could potentially be my stars later in the season. No, I think those are all great points. And you do think about, for example, going back to the Edmonds Connor situation, six over the last six calendar years, James Connor has had a significant connective tissue injury five of those six calendar years. I think at this point, it's safe to say that it's difficult for James Connor to stay on the field. You're not going to get me to say the words though, Justin. Okay. But it is difficult for James <laughs> Connor to stay on, stay on the field. And then you do look at a Raheem Moster and I do sort of look at these two players, not to drone on about San Francisco, but I do sort of look at Trey Sermon as a little riskier. And I, and I tweeted a thread out earlier uh, this week about Trey Sermon. He's a little riskier just because he actually ironically has very similar uh, injuries that are that are relatively similar to James Connors' injuries that all have to do with connective tissue. So it's not that he is somebody that I won't trust, but I, with Trey Sermon, I do want him to sort of prove it first uh, before I'm willing to go all in. But I do understand the pick given this specific cost and the specific situation. And and Moster, ironically, is is in a very similar boat, and he is a guy who ultimately hasn't been able to prove that he can stay on the field either. So if you're going to go with, with either of these guys, I would, I think it would be with a guy with a little more optimism and hope. And that's what you're, that's what you're going with here with Trey Sermon. So I don't hate those picks. I, I don't hate those picks whatsoever. Now that you are at Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, Kyle Pitts, you're loaded dude. Chase Edmonds, Trey Sermon, you know, this ADP would say next it's time to look at a quarterback, Justin. And, and ironically, so, 96 and 97 are Ryan Tannehill and Jalen Hurts. Is that what you're doing or are you going going elsewhere? Yeah, the, the way that this is working out, it's funny that bang on ADP. I'm grabbing a couple of these guys that are actually right here at those spots. And yeah, Ryan Tannehill at 812. I'll take him all day there. In this range, I'm looking at, and because this is the end of the eighth round, I, I would do it. Normally, I'd wait till like the ninth, tenth or so. But we're at the, the end of the eighth, and I'd like to look at Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford, and Tannehill. That's kind of like the three guys that I like in that range. And Tannehill, he's essentially been a top 10 fantasy quarterback since he got to Tennessee. He's got the rushing ability that we love. Just so efficient, too. And we kept wondering, when's that going to run out? This is Ryan Tannehill. There's no way he can continue to be this efficient, right? But now they've added Julio Jones, so he's got a, a replacement here for Corey Davis and, and Jonu Smith got these two phenomenal receivers. And maybe when we look back, this is a reason why maybe I should have taken A.J. Brown over Keenan Allen because we could have got a little bit of a stack going there with with A.J. Brown and Tannehill. But Tannehill is, is somebody that I'm targeting quite a bit because he hits a lot of boxes. We we're talking about the rushing ability, the weapons around him. And on top of that, I mean, if you look, this is kind of the drop-off a little bit after this. Jalen Hurts, maybe Jalen Hurts could give us a top-five season just based off the rushing totals. It's possible. But there's also a lot of question marks there. And if he doesn't perform early in the season, what are they going to do? There was also reports recently that the team was still looking heavily at Deshaun Watson. Um, that kind of scares me for you know how strongly they feel about Hurts. Um, Joe Burrow, I think Joe Burrow is going to be fine, but started off a, a little slow there. And he was somebody that, great job by you. You talked about him back in March on our show that you know people figured he was going to be fine for early in the season and he probably will be okay but you just acknowledge that based on the timeline that he had it wasn't just going to be sunshine lollipops and rainbows and in training camp and he was going wasn't going to walk into week 1 ready to go it was going to be uh, some hiccups and some speed bumps along the way and that's what we've seen so far so hopefully he's going to be okay but probably not going to see him run as much early in the year if he's still a little bit worried about that knee on the way back. So that pushes him down a little bit. And if you pass on quarterback in this range, then you're going to look at, at least for me, I'm going to look at trying to pair one of those rookies like Trey Lance or Justin Fields, 
with a veteran guy that can get me through the first few weeks of the season or the first half of the season or whatever it ends up being. I feel like Fields, is, they're just going to put Andy Dalton out there in week one to get beat up by Aaron Donald and the Rams, and then we'll see Justin Fields out there either late in week one or in week two right, starting. Right. Once, once, once just try to avoid him taking that beating in week one. And then Trey Lance, that one could end up being a little trickier. I still think there's a shot that he could win this job before the training camp is out. That's probably foolish on my part, but oh, no. we got two more preseason games here, so we'll see if he, you know, if he can do anything more and can keep learning and, and progressing, but early in the season, that's a team that's going to win. So we're probably going to see Jimmy Garoppolo hang around as the starter for a few more weeks. And maybe it'll be after their bye week that we finally see Lance get in there kind of like the dolphins did with Tua last season. But either way, I talked about the 49ers schedule once fields, once Lance, once those guys are in there, they're going to be fantastic for fantasy with the rushing ability and the passing ability. We can't discount like these guys are going to be able to move the ball through the air as well. So they're going to put up some really good numbers. You can get them so late and then you can compare, uh, pair them up with, you know, Kirk Cousins, who's got an er- easy earlier season schedule. Or if you want to take a shot on Sam Darno, who's got a pretty easy couple games to start the year. Um, that one's a little bit scarier, but um, you can do that. And that's sort of like if you're going to go the complete late round approach this year, I think that's the the way to play it. But I normally like to get a Stafford or a Brady or a Tannehill right in this spot. And so that's who I'm going with there. I really like that. I really like that pick. So other than the Tannehill pick. You have, I'll, I'll, you're going to get one more here, right? And obviously when you take Tannehill, you're not going to turn around and take Jalen Hurts. So here at pick 97, where are you going? I'm going to go with Corey Davis. And he's a guy that is is really rising up draft boards. Yeah. But I've had him up in this range for a while. I've had him inside my top 100 for a long time now. And it's just because I would also, we'll see what happens injury-wise. And you could talk about this with Elijah Moore. But I think both those guys are really intriguing. And, and I've said this a few times. It seems like we have to acknowledge that the the draft community, the fantasy community, we're not always right about these rookies, the rookie quarterbacks specifically. And we've watched as, you know, Josh Allen sort of got dragged through the mud and then he turned out to be pretty good. And Justin Herbert was the one after that that kind of got dragged through the mud and it turned out that he was pretty good. It's not going to happen with every single guy. There's going to be guys that bust for sure. But this year, it kind of seems like Zach Wilson was the guy that everybody wrote off. He's got this baby face, kind of maybe seemed a little unlikable in some interviews, and people were just out on him. He's going to the Jets. The Jets are terrible all the time. No chance. But then you look at what's actually going on with the Jets. The, they've changed the coaching staff, right? They got a whole new coach staff in there. It came over from the 49ers. Some, some guys that are very, very intriguing, some guys that you have some respect for. I mean, yeah, offense to the previous staff. I was going to say no offense, but yeah, offense to the previous staff, Adam Gase and crew. Um, They've invested in the offensive line, Becton, Vera Tucker. The left side of that line could be really good. They might need a little bit of time to gel here, but they're at least investing in that line now. So they're going to have some protection. They brought in a bunch of guys, Corey Davis being one of them, right? They brought in some new weapons. And this is a rookie quarterback that was taken second overall. So could he be the next, you know, Trubisky and completely bust for sure. But there's also a shot that things, this isn't the jets that we're used to. And all of a sudden things start to change. The culture there starts to change and maybe things get going. And based on what we're seeing here, it seems like he's at least flashing a little bit of talent, right? So um, I'm kind of excited about that, that offense, uh, just based on where they're going in drafts, you can get a lot of those pieces really cheap. And Davis projects right now to be the number one receiver on that team. And he's getting a ton of targets in the preseason out there. So you, you got to really like him in this range. 
And yeah, you were getting him in really the 10th, 11th, like ADP wise. It wasn't that long ago that he was going way deeper than this. Um, but, but now I think you're going to have to pay up based on the performance we're seeing in the preseason. So to get him here as what our, our fourth receiver on the team, um, just, just perfect. A guy that definitely could give us wide receiver three, maybe even wide receiver two numbers fantasy wise this year. Fifth receiver, actually, if you're counting Pitts, right? Fifth. Okay. Who did, who did I miss on that list? <laughs> no, Kyle Pitts. I'm referring to Kyle Pitts. That was a Kyle. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are, Justin. We, we've got your starters filled out. You got Christian McCaffrey with the first pick. Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, Kyle Pitts. Good God, this is a stacked team. Chase Edmonds, Trey Sermon, and you got good upside. I'm just going talking out loud, honestly. The the upside on this team paired with the talent is just incredible. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, and then your last pick with just Corey Davis. I think we're going to stop there, but I do still want to know, sort of before we wrap up here, I want to know who is the one player that you are walking away with in every draft and did you walk away with that person in this draft? I did not. Um, that person, it's almost not even a draft if I don't take Robert Woods because I feel like I get him everywhere in like the fourth round. I have him on like every dynasty team. I think like it's just, it's going to be real bad for me in a couple of years here when he gets a little older and then starts to fall off. But um, yeah, Robert Woods been a, a top 15 fantasy wide out essentially each of like the last four seasons. I think in, in 2017, he didn't play all 16 games, but on pace wise, he was going to be right up there. And then in the other years since he's been wide receiver, 14 wide receiver, 14 wide receiver, 11 uh, off the top of my head here. So just a guy that has been phenomenal, reliable, and now he's getting this, this great quarterback upgrade with Matthew Stafford showing up. So you figure that's going to help the offense and help the passing game, especially. So really excited about Robert Woods this year. And unfortunately, based on where we were picking, we just went in, in another direction, but yeah, anytime that we're doing like a mock draft at the score, anytime all these dynasty drafts, because in dynasty people, they look at receivers that are, you know, 28, 29 years old and go, okay, there's no chance. I don't want that guy on my team. So he tends to fall a bit and I just scoop up that value all day long. I think I can get another couple good years out of him, oh, especially absolutely. with Stafford there. So absolutely. yeah, if, if you're out there, get Robert Woods, he kind of almost not quite like Keenan Allen, but almost, you know, in that kind of vein of a guy that a veteran, that you can feel pretty strong about who isn't just getting you the the passing stats either the the receiving work he's also used quite a bit as a rusher he's getting you over 100 yards rushing uh, you know a couple touchdowns at least a touchdown the last three seasons on the ground so uh yeah robert woods is is my guy i feel like i need like a robert woods tattoo at this point yeah get a t-shirt man i love this team that you that you that you built i love the upside like i said paired with like the the let's win this now let's win this now type of upside along with, you know, the Chase Edmonds and Trey Sermon who can legitimately be league winners. Like those dudes can legitimately be league winners. And I think Corey Davis in his own right can be somebody that helps boost you to a championship. So I really love this fake draft that you did. I, I want one well, one one now. We could keep going here, but like, if you look at the later rounds, what I would mostly be doing, then I'm not going to take another quarterback. I'm not going to take another tight end. I'm just going to take my chances with those guys. I'm going to fill up my bench now with, Maybe one more receiver that I like. You can get some pretty good values later in the draft, even. Um, you know, guys like Marcus Calloway, somebody that could be the Saints' number one receiver early in the year, and then maybe you could trade him away for something before Michael Thomas comes back. Or maybe Michael Thomas is disgruntled and he doesn't come back at all. This is like, who knows what's going to happen there? Anyway, um, and then the big one, and the reason that I'm even mentioning this is we got to keep loading up at running back based on the approach we took and the fact that Sermon and Chase Edmonds aren't sure things. 
we're going to want to look at, you know, after the, you know, the 10th round or so here, we're going to keep looking at guys like Alexander Madison and, uh, you know, ADP wise, I don't know, like the Tony Pollard's like whoever's still out there that we feel confident as guys that we don't have to speculate about whether they're the backup guys. We don't have to speculate about whether if the starter goes down, is it going to be a committee or is that guy going to get all the work you want to look in? There's a bunch of names, these guys that we can feel pretty good about them getting all the work and I think Darrington Evans is a great target like that. And that was the reason why I reached out to you, Edwin, earlier in the week when there wasn't a lot of information about Evans, because I want to know, because I have a lot of exposure to him after Derrick Henry had over 700 touches combined the last two years. And the concern that, you know, at 27, that maybe Henry starts to show us he's human and maybe he does get hurt finally this year. Not that we're rooting for that. We'd want to see Henry rush for another 2000 yard season, but um, is it possible kind of like with Christian McCaffrey last year that, you know, we see the the big guy break down. Um, if that happens, Darrington Evans, it sure looked like he was the the clear number two, and he looked pretty good in that game before he got hurt in that opening preseason game. So hopefully he's back out there and he would be someone that I would still be targeting in these later rounds. So keep filling up on on running backs and and yeah, enjoy because yeah, I love the way this roster <laughs> looks yeah, here. Man, you killed this one. And the other the other person that did that did end up being a hamstring injury for Darrington Evans so I, I don't anticipate seeing him the rest of the season either they're probably going to bubble wrap him since he's the only real rest of the well, preseason don't get me too scared you said the rest of the season yes preseason. <laughs> I did say the season didn't I yeah the rest of the preseason um he's the only really relevant fantasy or not even fantasy just real NFL running back that could that could fill in and and be productive if Derrick Henry does happen to go down um another player that I've been telling people to sort of take is is Alexander Madison that risk for Dalvin Cook is not gone it has not magically disappeared the more exposures he has with that shoulder the more likely it is to recur it's not a prediction but we are playing the odds so be careful with the shares of Dalvin Cook that you have Um, so that's what I would piggyback with that Justin anything else before you get out of here no, go and uh, check out our the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit. It is completely free. There are a ton of great sites out there, including Fantasy Points, uh, your site. Um, you know, I know there's a ton of great sites that people got to pay for. Uh, our Draft Kit, the Score, I can't believe they're still doing it, but they're giving it away for free. For and free. Uh, yeah, my rankings, my content, breakouts, busts, strength to schedule, got a ton of stuff in there. Um, follow me on Twitter at Justin Boone, like you mentioned off the top, and then the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. It's available pretty much anywhere you're listening to podcasts. So that's where you can find me. And man, it's always fun. I I love talking to you. I was sad that, you know, we weren't able to make it happen and get me on here last year. Those couple (laughs) times that that we missed out on, but I'm glad we finally did it here. And, um, you know, I love every time you come on our show. So it's always great talking ball with you. You're awfully gracious. You're awfully gracious for giving, giving me a second chance. See, people can change, Justin. People can change. And you, and I proved that to you that we can be responsible and make the dates that we set. (laughs) Thanks again, Justin. Make sure to check out the draft kit over at the score. Follow Justin on Twitter at Justin Boone and happy drafting.